Well, we've been in this series uh, about death to self. And uh, if you haven't heard any of the past messages, I encourage you to jump online and, and listen or watch some of those because they've been phenomenal. Um, Pastor Jason has done an incredible job navigating us through some biblical um, uh, uh, people who went through the process of dying to themselves. Three weeks ago, uh, we learned about Elisha, the prophet Elisha, and how he became a servant to Elijah first. And he died to himself. I mean, he had, uh, you know, a life set up for him. But that the mantle of Elijah um, and God's call, it, it caused him to die to himself. And it led to an abundant life. He was able to do twice the amount of miracles that the prophet Elijah did. And even all the way down to the final one, it was after he was already dead. His bones came in contact with a dead body and resurrected that, that person. So pretty cool story. Again, go back and listen to it if you missed that. Two weeks ago, we learned about Saul. And he was the persecutor of Christ followers. And he actually hunted down and imprisoned uh, people who, who believed and followed Jesus. Until one day, Saul had that encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And, and Jesus said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so that one encounter changed everything for him. And he became who we know now as Paul, who went on to write around two-thirds of the New Testament. And so his dying to self and dying to what he was doing and what he was involved in and what he felt was right led to uh, an eternal purpose. Because of the work of Paul and the obedience of Paul to God, uh, he, he went on to, to plant churches and, and establish a lot of the foundation of what we know as the church today. So pretty good stuff. Right? And then last week we heard this adventurous, crazy story about Jonathan and his armor bearer. And they took a risk and they, they went to the enemy territory. And it was them dying to themselves that led to victory. Everyone say victory. victory. And it led to victory. And so we saw three of the past weeks how dying to self leads to abundant life, dying to self leads to eternal purpose, dying to self leads to victory. And today, we're going to look at someone else before we get into this, someone who died to themselves just this weekend. It was me. My, uh, my sons just had birthdays. Uh, Silas turned six years old on Wednesday, and um, Ezra turned three on Thursday. They're three years apart and, and separated by one day. And so my parents, who might be watching right now, Grammy and Papa to them, uh, they sent this gift um, to to them, got it in the mail, and it was the beginning of my dying to self this weekend. Uh, this was, I guess there's no other thing to call it other than the dome of death is what I've been calling it, okay? It's this this jungle gym type contraption, really big and millions of pieces, and, and no joke, the box that it came in, it, it, I'm, not, I'm not joking or exaggerating, 200 pounds, the box that it came in. I don't even know how they shipped that to my front door. I don't know. A 200-pound box. You know, whenever you go to Ikea or, or some other godforsaken place, um, and you buy something, and, and on the outside of the box, if it's a heavier box, there's a picture of two happy stick men helping each other. They're like this. And, it's, and it says something like, you know, hey, we encourage you, have help lifting this box. Well, this box that I'm talking about, it didn't have that picture. It had like a picture of a tractor, like scooping it up and saying, don't lift this, not even with help. Uh, that's what they sent me. <laughs> and so this weekend was a lot of dying to self. Um, I opened that box and, and, and out came a, uh, a manual, an instruction manual that was probably bigger than my Bible. 
and um, and a lot of parts and things. And it took about eight hours to assemble. And again, there was a lot of dying to self. There was a lot of repenting. Uh, there was <laughs> a lot of moments where um, I, uh, I I questioned my existence, and but but God is good, and He got me through it. And praise God, the dome of death is now constructed in our backyard, and our kids are climbing all over it and having a good time. Come on, I need support, guys. Like, <laughs> I'm recovering from this experience right now. I had to die to myself, and. That's just a silly example, obviously, but we, we, we've started each of these weeks looking at a passage in the book of Luke, and we've looked at Luke 9, 24 through 25, but I want to start one verse earlier today uh, to look at this to set things up. So let's look at Luke 9, starting in verse 23. It says, then he said to them all, this is Jesus talking, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? So we've been looking at verses 24 and 25. And today we're starting with verse 23. Jesus is saying, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Take up his cross daily. I think when Jesus says, take up your cross, he's not speaking of a literal cross. But what I do think is, let's think for a moment, the word cross as a verb. For instance, the roads ahead cross each other. And so our will, our horizontal will and God's vertical will, will intersect. They will cross paths. And so whenever God's holiness collide with our flesh, it's a crossing point, you see? And so I think when, God, when Jesus says, hey, take up your cross daily and follow me, he's saying that, hey, in those moments where God's vertical will and our horizontal will collide, when they intersect, when they cross each other, we need to choose willingly to take that up and follow Jesus, right? And so that is dying to self. That is a picture of dying to self. That is something that we have to do on a daily basis. Taking up our cross is not a one-time thing. Like, I wish it was, but it's daily because we are human beings. We are flesh. And, and so we have to constantly submit that to Christ and take up our cross where his holiness and our flesh collide. If you're with me, say, yeah. yeah. We're going to have some fun today. Are you all ready to have some fun? Like, we can have fun in church, right? All right, awesome. God's holiness in your flesh will collide daily. It's the, it's the cross we bear, and, and if we truly want to follow after Jesus in that way, it's a daily choice that we have to, to take up our cross and follow him. That's a picture of dying to self. So today, we're going to look at this idea of death to self equals life in Christ. Everyone say, in Christ. In Christ. All right, so... I'm going to need 100% participation today, guys. All right, this is my third time doing it. My voice is going out. You guys can do this. I believe in you. Are you ready? Everyone say, in Christ. In Christ. Nice. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much. We thank you that you are here in this place. And where your presence is, there is freedom. Jesus, we thank you that you are meeting us right where we're at. 
And God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and it is active and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And today we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would come in and, and, and speak to our hearts, Lord. We want to be more like you when we leave this place. We want to be better for you when we leave this place. We pray all these things in your strong name, Jesus. Amen. Everyone say, in Christ. So, throughout God's word, there's this reference to God's right hand. And this reference really intrigued me. And so, I began to study that and research that. And I found that God's right hand, oftentimes, especially in the Old Testament, it represents power and authority and deliverance. The right hand of God. But as I was exploring this, I came across a passage that looks at God's right hand in a different way. It looks at God's right hand not just with power, authority, and deliverance. And this is found in the book of Psalm 16, verse 11. It says this, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. All right, so did we all hear that? We know that God's right hand represents power and authority. But here the psalmist says that at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Do, do anyone in this room enjoy like crime shows? Like Forensic Files or like CSI? Or I can tell y'all are kind of scared to raise your hand because you're in church, you know. Um, uh, is that okay? I mean, do I, yeah, you know, am, I, am I supporting crime by liking these shows? Uh, sinners, it's okay. Um, Movies or whatever about detectives, that kind of thing. Well, you know, in those movies and shows, you have the detective or the lead investigator, and he's looking at this wall, and on this wall are pictures and clues and different things. And as he steps back to to look at the wall and, and see how it all connects, he begins to put pins in pictures, and he begins to tie string from one picture to another picture to this clue to that clue, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? So picture this with me, okay? So all this is tying together. And I believe that whenever I was going through this, the Holy Spirit was actually doing that with me. And and so I hope that and pray that today as we navigate Scripture, that you see that there's this thread that goes throughout the Word of God that points to Jesus that ties everything together. Amen? And so picture that thread as we go on this adventure together. Are you ready to go on an adventure? Awesome. So... I feel like as I was going through this and I was looking at Psalm 1611 and I was looking at at your right hand, like I had already discovered that the right hand of God, it represents power and authority. But now I'm seeing that it also is a place of pleasure forevermore, fullness of joy. And then I, I realized, wait a minute, this is where Jesus sits. Jesus sits at the right hand of God. And so then I went over to the, the book of Mark. And so check this out. In Mark chapter 16, verse 19, it says, So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. That's pretty awesome, right? And so what does this teach us about Jesus in this position? That he is seated not only in power and authority, but he is also seated where there is pleasure forevermore. Amen? And I think too often when it comes to our relationship with God, if we're not careful, whether it's subconscious or intentional, we view God as this powerful authority in our life, which is true, 
but we remove this fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore from our relationship with him. And one without the other is incomplete. One without the other is unfulfilling, right? Because if you view God as this cosmic judge and and this powerful authority, yes, that is true, but only partially because at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. In him, there is fullness of joy. Amen? And so we can find that where Jesus is seated, we see in Mark. In Mark, Jesus gives the great commission to us. He says, go and preach the gospel. And then he ascends to heaven and he sits down at the right hand of God. A place of power and authority, but also where you can find pleasure forevermore. Okay, so what does this have to do with being in Christ? Everyone say, in Christ. Christ. All right, so remember the illustration of the strings going from this to this to that. All right, so keep that in mind, okay? So we're going to jump over to the New Testament book of Ephesians, where we see Jesus is also seated at the right hand of God in this passage. And this passage is like a, a giant run-on sentence because Paul is so stoked about explaining to the church at Ephesus how great and awesome God is. Okay, And so we're going to drop right in the middle of that, uh, Ephesians 1, 19. If you look at some of the previous passages, you can see what I mean. There's like no period. It's just comma and it just keeps going, but it's pretty fun. But we're going to start in verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Now you have to understand the people of Ephesus, they were primarily new believers. Like newfound believers in Jesus. Baby Christians, if you will. And so they didn't have this rich history and knowledge of Israel and, and they didn't grow up hearing about how the children of Israel were delivered out of Egyptian captivity. And they didn't grow up hearing about how Israel would become a great nation. And they didn't know about this Messiah that would come save them one day. By biblical definition, they were Gentiles. They were non-Jews. And so here we see that before believing in Christ and following the way of Jesus, they were likely involved in a lot of mysticism or superstitions of the day. They were trying to figure out life and make sense of it through logic and and materialism. And in human effort, even if these things are going well, with that type of outlook on life, it'll always lead to fear and insecurity because we are fallible, we are imperfect, we are incomplete, right? And so Paul is writing with an urgency, trying to convey to this group of people in Ephesus, hey, God is powerful. He's awesome. Jesus is seated at the right hand. But the way you've been doing things and the way you've been living, it's not how it is with Jesus. And and he was trying to allow them to understand that they are now in Christ. Everyone say, in Christ. So we see in Ephesians 1.20 that God raised Jesus and seated Jesus at his right hand. Okay, so we're going to do a quick review to make sure that we're all on the same page. Remember, we're all on a journey together today, right? We're going to have fun together today, right? Well, I said in the last service, like if anyone said no, like you're a real jerk. Like who would say, we're going to have fun. Are you having fun? No. Well, I guess we'll close then. Let's pray. You know, well, I'm having fun. And so we'll keep going. Cool. All right. So quick review about this passage we just looked in. 
God raised and seated who? Remember, full participation. God raised and seated who? Jesus. And where did he seat Jesus? Okay, God raised and seated Jesus at his right hand. So now, this is incredible, guys. Just a few verses later, now we're in the next chapter, chapter 2 of Ephesians. We see something really amazing. Check out Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7 says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So let's look at verse 6 one more time. Verse 6 says this, he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So let's do a review. Now on this passage, God raised and seated who? Us. And he seated us where? In Christ Jesus. So check this out. If Jesus is raised and seated at the right hand of God, which is where power, authority, pleasure forevermore are located. And it says right here that we've been raised and seated in Jesus. Then my friends, that is some good news because that means that you and I, if we've received Jesus Christ as our savior, that we are seated in him, which is the location of pleasure forevermore. And we have access to power and authority through him. Amen? Amen. Guys, that's some good news. That's some good news, right? God raised and seated Jesus and seated him at his right hand. But God also raised and seated us in Christ. And if Christ is at the right hand, then we're in him. Therefore, we are also at the right hand. That's amazing. That's, that's, that could change everything if we begin to view life that way. If you realize this and realize that you are in Christ Jesus, then you begin to act differently. You begin to live differently. You begin to have a new outlook on life. And that will change everything. Amen? Wow. Because Jesus sits in the place of authority and power, we are seated in him, and we can then share in that authority and power. So no, no matter what life has thrown at you, no matter what storm you are facing, no matter what difficulty you are going through right now, remind yourself and be encouraged that if you've received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are seated in him. And that is a place of power. It is a place of authority. And you have access to joy and peace and pleasures forevermore. Amen. Be encouraged. I want to encourage us this morning. Do you feel encouraged yet? Wave at me if you feel encouraged, so I know if I should keep going. Okay, good. We'll keep going then. We were going to go anyways. (laughs) So, to simply be in Jesus, seated in him, that's all there is to it. Like, there's, there's no hard work. There's no good behavior. There is no good luck. There is nothing that changes any of this. It's simply our position of being seated in him. Now, check this out. This is amazing. 
I know that it's important. We just made a big deal about everyone who serves and volunteers. It's important to build God's kingdom. It is important to, to, to do things for the Lord, right? But the most important thing is to be seated in him. And check this out. When you're seated, when you're seated, you're in a seated position, you're not running around busy, right? You're not just trying to do this and do that, and I'm going to make God happy because I'm doing this, and man, I hope someone saw me do that. No, you're just seated in him. Like, think about Mary and Martha, right? Mary is just sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him and hanging out with him, and Martha is busy around the house, and finally Martha calls out her sister and says, Jesus, look at Mary. She's not doing anything to help around here. And, and Jesus actually rebukes her. Says, Martha, Martha, what she's doing is actually what needs to be done. Don't take that from her. In other words, you should be following her example. She was seated at his feet. And what I've found that when you figure out and, and tap into this fact that we are in Christ, in this position of power, authority, but also pleasure forevermore, you don't have to just stay busy and just do things to look good for God because you already look great to him because you're seated in his son. Amen? So when he sees you, he sees his son. And so when we're seated in him and just enjoying God, enjoying his presence, that, my friends, that is the best place you can be. So the, the most powerful position that anyone could have like sometimes we strive to have a title and to do this. But the most powerful thing that you could ever achieve is dead to self and alive in Christ. Amen? The most powerful position you can achieve is dead to self and alive in Christ. But here's the, here's the cool part. When I say achieve, that's not even completely accurate because it's nothing we did to achieve anything. It's everything that Jesus did to give us that achievement by sitting in him. Amen? Dead to self, alive in Christ. It makes all the difference. So I showed you all of that to simply show you that when we die to ourselves, when we die to our own will, when we die to our flesh, when we take up our cross and follow him, we realize that if we are seated in Christ, we realize how alive we really are. Maybe today you need that encouragement. Maybe you feel like a shell of a person right now. Maybe you feel empty. Maybe you feel like all your striving and achieving has led nowhere. Let me encourage you today that... You are alive in him if you're seated in him. You don't have to prove anything because he proved everything. Just rest in him today. Amen? You're seated in him. And where he is seated is at the right hand of God. And therefore you have access to that power, authority, and pleasure. Amen? So let's look at 2 Corinthians now. 5 starting in verse 13. This is the New Living Translation. And it says this. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. Now, I like that verse. (laughs) If it seems we're crazy, right? And a little sidebar, sometimes we're quick to judge somebody by how they might act in church or, or, man, they they sure are exuberant, man. They sure are raising their hand or they sure are, man, what's going on? But you, you don't know what God has brought them through, amen? You don't know the story that is behind that pair of lifted hands. You don't know the story that is behind those tears that are going down that face as we're in times of worship. And so if we seem crazy, hey, it's for the glory of God, amen? And then if we're in our right minds, 
It's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe, guys, this is it. This is the one. This is the verse. This is what we've been talking about this whole time together. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. So look at verse 15. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. If that doesn't say death to self equals life in Christ, then I don't know what does. Amen? He died for all so that we could die to ourselves. And then this new life that he offers us, we have life in him. But wait, there's more. This next passage that we're about to look at, that we're about to go in, it may be the most profound and powerful single passage as it relates to our position in Jesus Christ. You ready? All right. So we skip a verse. We go to verse 17 and it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Okay. This room is way too quiet for hearing good news like that. So I'm going to say it again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Amen. That is the best news. Why is it good news? Because old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Old things. I don't know about you, but when I think back on some old things in my life, moments I'm not proud of, failures, embarrassments, times where I feel like I've let God down, old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. All things, guys. All things. Not just the things that you really don't want anyone finding out about. Not just the things where you feel like you need to work on. And not just the things that you actually are okay with. It says all things have become new. Amen? So if anyone is in Christ, old things are gone. New things are here. I pray that encourages somebody right now. Old things are gone. New things are here. Well, the, the worship team is going to come up right now. We're going to close in a kind of a different way. But before we do that, I want to, I want to um, shake things up a little bit. We're having fun, right? Good. So I have um, um, a confession to make. Okay, and this will maybe set some of you men free out here. Okay. I love HGTV. <laughs> I love HGTV. Now, it's a lot easier for me to say HGTV than not home and garden television, you know? But there's just some fun shows on there, guys, you know, like all these renovations and Fixer Upper. How many of you love that show? Fixer Upper, yeah. Chip and Joanne Gaines, right? They're just, it's fun. Well, let me, let me say it to you like this. We have new creation status. We have new creation status. That's, that would be like if you got a piece of mail from HGTV and you open it up 
And it says, congratulations. You won. You get all new things. Anyone want that letter? You get all new things. A full-on fixer-upper. Right? A new kitchen. Can I get a witness? <laughs> a new living space with a flow that makes sense. Right? Good sight lines. <laughs> a renovated master bedroom and bathroom. It's amazing, right? Congratulations. What if we took that letter and we were so proud of it that we framed it and we hung it in our old space? We told our friends about it. Hey, guys, got this letter from HGTV. And it says, I, I get all new things. It's pretty cool, huh? You might take a picture of it and you might post it on your Facebook or Instagram. You want everyone to know. I got this letter from HGTV. I get all new things. But how absurd would it be if you're just so proud of this letter but you never pick up the phone and you call to claim what is now rightfully yours? Right? It'd be crazy. We have new creation status and we like that. Oh, man. Anyone in Christ is a new creation. Right? But there are some of the old things in my living space that I just want to hold on to. I want to, you know, I don't really want to get rid of those things. I kind of like those things, you know? But it says old things are gone and behold, all things are new. Right? So we have this new creation status but we don't want the new creation process and that takes dying to self. It takes you looking at your living space and assessing the situation. Man, I got this letter from HGTV and they're telling me it's going to be a full-on fixer-upper. You've got to be willing to let them come in and knock down some walls. You've got to be willing to let them come in and say, oh, that, that doesn't work in here anymore. You need to get rid of that. You see where I'm going? And how cool is it that Jesus is a carpenter? Man, he wants to come in and do a full-on renovation. Come on, somebody. He wants to come in and knock down some walls. But you know what? Sometimes, if we're honest with ourselves, we are completely okay with just hanging that letter on our old space wall. I got new creation status. I posted about it on Facebook today. means I mean it. But you haven't moved anything around in your life. You're still holding on to some of the old. And if you want to step into not only new creation status, but new creation living, you've got to be willing to die to yourself and to move some of those old things out of the way. Amen? And that takes dying to self. you got to be able to walk into your living space and be like, oh yeah, that's the old me. Can't have that anymore. <laughs> you know? Ooh, this is the old me. Oh, man, I kind of liked this. But man, what Christ is offering you through this, it's new. It's new. And it's so fulfilling, more than you can ever imagine. 
but let's stop just saying we have new creation status and let's actually start living as a new creation. Amen? Let's live as a new creation. And we do that by realizing we're in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We have new creation status. And so you might be thinking to yourself right now, okay, well, Jesus is seated at, the, seated at the right hand of God, and that's a place of power and authority, but it's also a place of pleasure and joy. And if we're seated in Christ, and now we have access to those things, but that just seems too good. Like, how is that possible? How can I actually lay claim to those things? Well, I want to show us this passage in Galatians. And I think it points to our identity in Him. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. That means that if you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior... You have been adopted in. You have been grafted in. You are in the family. You are a daughter. You are a son. Amen? And because of that sonship, and because you are a daughter, you have access because you are an heir. Amen? So you might think to yourself, well, if Jesus is seated at the right hand and I'm seated in Jesus, I don't, I don't feel worthy. I don't feel like I can just reach out and grab hold of power and authority. I, I don't feel like I can just reach out and grab hold of this pleasure and joy stuff. But no, if you've received him, you are part of the family. You are a son. You are a daughter. And it is rightfully yours. Amen. It's rightfully yours. We need to stop dragging ourselves through life with heavy burdens on our shoulders and saying, hey, I've got new creation status, right? No. Some of you might wonder, well, if I'm in Christ, how come I don't feel like a new creation? Well, maybe there's still some of the old that you've left behind. Maybe there's still some of the old that you're involved with. And I'm telling you right now, it's going to take dying to self. It's not going to be easy, but it is going to be worth it. Let the master carpenter come in and move some things around and knock some walls down and rearrange your space. Then you'll start feeling new. Amen? You've already done all you can do by receiving that free gift. Because remember, the only thing you have to do now is just be seated in him. However, this process of new creation, it's going to take dying to self. It's going to take taking up your cross daily and follow him. It's going to take constantly going into our living space and be like, whoa, that looks too much like the old me. Tossing that, right? So yes, we are seated in him. Simply by putting our faith in Jesus, we can do that. But if you want to start actually living in new creation status, you have to move things out. You have to get rid of the old and embrace the new. We've put on Christ. Amen? Let's bow our heads real quick. Maybe you're in this place and you're hearing all about this new creation status and you're realizing right now that you don't have that. Maybe there's a void or an emptiness in your heart and in your life and you're realizing right now, loud and clear, 
you have a tremendous need for Jesus. You need Jesus. And maybe you've had that relationship, but you walked off the path and you've wandered away. Maybe today's your day to just come home. Or maybe you've never made that decision. We're not going to call you out, but man, let's give everyone an opportunity right now to make that decision. So if you're in this place and that's you, you need new creation status. Why don't you just slip your hand up? Anyone in here? Awesome, I see your hands. Praise God. It's awesome. Anyone else? Awesome. Praise God, I see your hand. Praise God. So before we move on, man, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. If you raised your hand, if you recognize that that's you, you need new creation status. Or maybe you've just wandered off and you needed to come home and open up your heart. Repent. Receive him. Put your faith in him. I'm going to leave a, lead a prayer right now. Jesus, thank you that you came to this earth, lived a perfect, sinless life so that you could be a perfect sacrifice on that cross. Thank you, Jesus, for taking away my sin and shame. Thank you that you rose again to give me life and life abundantly. New creation status. God, would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, give us the strength that we need to walk through this life, not just with new creation status, but to actually live as a new creation. Thank you for those who made that decision today. I pray that they wouldn't leave this place without coming up to the info table or out at the tent to follow up and to get some resource or get more prayer, whatever it takes. And we love you, Jesus. If Jesus is seated where power and authority, joy and pleasure are, and we are in Christ with new creation status, let's start living that way. Amen? Let's walk in the power and authority we have access to through the Holy Spirit. Let's live in victory. Amen? Let's stop letting life get the best of us because we are now seated in Christ where fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore can be found. Amen? Let's stop just displaying and saying that we have new creation status and let's start laying claim to the newness because the old is gone. Amen?